Hello, and welcome to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. We believe all women lawyers deserve to be wealthy women lawyers. Our mission is to provide thought-provoking, powerful, and practical information to help you in creating your own sustainable, wealth-generating law firm without overwork or overwhelm so you can live your best life. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, and I'm so excited for you to meet our guest today. So let's get started. Attorney and business consultant Nakia Gray is committed to helping others create their own economy through branding, marketing, and passionate entrepreneurship. As CEO and founder of Nakia Gray PC, a virtual law firm, Nakia enjoys helping creative entrepreneurs and artists establish a brand and build a profitable business by protecting and leveraging their creative work. Nakia also is the founder of Beyond the Bar Institute, a personal branding and online marketing consultancy for attorneys who are ready to leverage the internet to build their own brand, attract more clients, and create a freedom-based law firm. So welcome, Nakia. It's great to have you on the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. Thank you. I am super excited to be here. Yay. Well, we've got lots to discuss because there's some very interesting things uh, that you have done with your law degree and in business. So I want to talk about that. Uh, First off, though, give me a little bit of background, uh, kind of your journey from childhood to, you know, deciding to become a lawyer. Did you, did you, were you that kid that always knew that you wanted to be a lawyer or did you kind of discover that later in life? So interestingly, I always was told that I should be a lawyer. I was, I was, I was the kid that was always chatting a bit much in class. And all of my teachers always said, girl, your mouth is going to get you in trouble one day. You need to be a lawyer. So I did grow up kind of thinking that I, um, I'm the first in my family to go to college. No one in my family is really educated. So I didn't really have an example, um, to model after, but that always kind of stuck with me. And so when I did decide to go to college, you know, just to give you an idea of how little I knew, I actually thought that I'd go to college and I'd be a lawyer when I was done. And so my advisor was like, no, ma'am, that's not how this works. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) I was like, oh, really? I was like, so you mean I'm not going to be a lawyer when I leave here in four years? And, And they're like, no. So at that time, I decided to switch my major and I said, well, I've always been entrepreneurial. I was also the kid like, you know, babysitting, selling candy, you know, always had an Mm -hmm. entrepreneurial spirit. So I switched to business Mm -hmm. and I said, you know, law school, seven years, I'm not doing that. I'll do this four year degree and I'll be, you know, in business. So I, I did that. I have a marketing degree undergrad and I went into the fashion industry, which I loved. Mm -hmm there was still this little nagging thing in the back of my mind, like, girl, you know, you're supposed to go to law school. You're supposed to go to law school. You're supposed to go to law school. So September 11th happens and the fashion industry really takes a hit. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe now's a good time to reconsider the (laughs) whole law law school school thing. (laughs) So I, I enrolled in law school. And even then I really, you know, I didn't, I'd love to say I have this story of, I knew that I wanted to do this. I didn't, I was just kind of, Going along with things, um, I was very drawn to litigation at first. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's you know where I started. And I did that for quite a few years after graduating from law school. I started my own practice right out of law school. And I um, I was a litigator. <laughs> you know, when I tell my client, my current clients that now they're like, what? I was like a pit bull in a skirt and lipstick. Like that was my life. Yeah. And that got really tiring really quickly. And I was just like, God, this is really not um, exciting me anymore. And it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel good. I was, you know, kind of had this persona that was, wasn't really me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then on a personal level by my husband and I, our, our oldest was really having a lot of trouble in school. And um, we really wanted to homeschool her. And there was no way I could do that being a litigator. So we decided right. that I would. And, and in, in fact, I, I was planning to just ditch the whole law degree altogether and just start an online. My plan was to start an online business. Right. Um, and it didn't even occur to me that that online business could be a law firm. But I was just like, I got to get out of this and do this anymore. I enrolled in Marie Forleo's um, online program, um, B-School, which taught right. you how to start an online business. Halfway through that, 
I realized, wait a minute, I have my Oprah aha moment. And I'm like, all the, there were all these questions of, about, you know, trademarks and how to protect your business. How do you start a business? You know, what kind of contracts do you need? And I was like, wait a minute, this is my online business. I'm going to be a lawyer for these people. They need a lawyer. And so that's how I started right. my online law. Firm. Right, right. I'm also a, a B-school grad. So I, I did that too. It's been a number of years now, but um, yeah, I, and I really I enjoyed did it, that. What, I did it in 2014. Yeah. I can't even, I couldn't even tell you what mm-hmm. year I did it. I probably would have been about the same time. I don't know, 2013 wow. or 2014. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but, um, and, and I loved it. I loved her model. I loved yeah. her online model, the way that she teaches online and everything. Um, so you started your virtual firm and you started, uh, so you really, I, I want to talk about starting a virtual firm and it's a lot of attorneys, a lot of women law firm owners have maybe started out with a more traditional law firm and then through circumstances like with this pandemic or maybe before that decided that they would shift to a virtual model. Um, but you started out with that when you were making, when you kind of got out of this other uh, law practice and said, you know, I'm not a good fit to be a a, a litigator. It doesn't make me happy. Um, What was it like to start that out at right from the beginning? What kinds of things do you think you did differently? Because when, because you're coming down from the business owner model, instead of the lawyer model saying the lawyer is going to then go into business. Now you're coming at as a business owner going, what kind of business can I have? That's an online business, which is a very different way of thinking, right? Absolutely. From, Absolutely. You know, the way most lawyers approach it. So what did you decide at the beginning that this needed to look like for you? Well, I knew that it needed to serve me. And that was, that was a, that was a decision that I made, you know, going into law, I've already told you my story. I kind of fell into it. You know, I just was, you know, letting the chips fall wherever they may. And this time I wanted to be very intentional about that. This law practice, this business needed to fit my lifestyle and what Uh I needed and what I wanted for my family Uh at that time. So I was very intentional about that. I knew um, you know, my daughter. Do- I was homeschooling, and I had my daughter in um, in some group classes with other homeschool students. And those classes took place on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So those were the only days I could work. So I had, you know, a- a- an online scheduler. I used to use this system, uh, Visita, that kind of acted like a little, you know, uh, uh, online receptionist that would pop right. up and say, "Hey, welcome to my website." And so, and on there, the appointment. I did not have a phone number. I did not have a phone. Um, you had to book a point, an appointment through Visita, and the only availability was Tuesdays and Thursdays because I was homeschooling Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So it really, I, I really approached it in the sense of I'm creating the business that serves the life that I want, and the business that I'm doing is law. And so it, it kind of had to go in the reverse, and it worked great because of my clients. Um, I knew that I wanted other online business owners. I was appealing to them as a lawyer because I got them, you know, I I understood what they were building. I was building the same thing. And so it was very easy for me to, um, to talk to them and to know how they want it to work. And they didn't need a phone number. They were fine with booking an appointment because that's how they had their business set up. So I really kind of, it worked really, really well because of that. And so I had to get really good really quickly with technology and processes and understanding, you know, virtual staff. I mean, I had, I hired my first assistant right away. Cause I, when I, when I started, I was leaving a pretty, you know, a, a 40 member, 40 lawyer law firm. So, you know, I had, we had a bookkeeping department, we had all these people. And then, you know, Friday I leave there, Monday I'm in my own practice and it's like, wait a minute, it's just me and my computer. I got to get somebody. I needed, I knew I needed staff like right away. So I learned really quickly how to duplicate that traditional model in an online space and a virtual space. I had to learn that really quickly. Right. Right. And, and it is a, it is a challenge. The online model can take years for some people to learn because it, you're setting up, it has a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Like it, 
to people engaging with it, it may not seem, you want it to be as simple and seamless as possible. So for it to ha- for that to be the user experience, you have to do a lot on the back end to get it there. And sometimes that requires learning something that's out of your wheelhouse from a tech technology standpoint. Sometimes it, it requires you to hire somebody else to do it and manage the process. Um, and so I imagine you've learned a lot about yourself, about leadership, about management, about technology in those years that you were setting it up. Absolutely. Yeah. And how did you, how did you, um, what kind of mistakes sort of stand out in your mind? Were there things, do you remember something in particular that was like, yeah, I wish I had known now what I knew then. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh my goodness. You know, I think that it, it, um, I kind of overcomplicated it a lot in thinking that it was so completely different from, uh, the, you know, the traditional law firm. And lots of it is, but but the fundamentals and the basics are still the same, right? Meaning, you know, there's a vetting process that you go through when you're hiring a legal assistant or paralegal to come into your physical office. Well, you don't abandon that common sense when you're hiring a virtual staff member. And so I think that I, you know, I overcomplicated it in making it be very different. And it really wasn't. So there was the vetting, you know, the hiring has been, a, was a huge issue for me and understanding the best way to vet and also understanding, you know, in this whole virtual assistant world, now that I've got years of experience and I've had many uh, different assistants is that they're just humans. And so virtual is like the word that we put in front of it, but the skill set is not universal. You can have a very great virtual assistant who's good at admin who might be horrible at client relations. And so mm-hmm. you, so I had to really um, define the skill set that I needed in each position and hire accordingly instead of thinking I'm going to get this, you know, um, this virtual genie who's going to be able to like do your book billing, send out invoices, uh, take good care of your clients, do your graphics, post on social media. That ain't oh, yeah, I know. I have the, I've had the same experience and the same conversation with uh, with with people that, you know, I'm going to hire a virtual assistant and they're going to be able to you know, do my copywriting and do my graphics. And you're like, it's two different, you know, do my scheduling and do my, gra-. you know, it's two different things the way the way our brains work. Right. So somebody who's a graphic designer, you if you had a physical office, you would never consider hiring a graphic designer to be your executive assistant to manage your schedule and book your travel. But yet somehow we're in the virtual world. It's like, oh, virtual assistant, you should be able to do everything. I had a great conversation with another um, attorney who owns several businesses. And one of her businesses is a, is a staffing, virtual staffing service for attorneys. And she uses something like 12 virtual assistants. And she says like four of these are just my personal virtual assistants. One books my travel, one does my scheduling, one does my Facebook, one does my Instagram. You know, it was like a whole, and uh, and it was an eye-opening moment when I had the conversation with her because I was like, oh yeah, you know, I really thought about with a virtual assistant, especially if you're going through a service or a part, somebody who's got other clients, you can just hire them to handle one yes. aspect of all the things that need to be done in your business. And so you can have multiple virtual assistants. You don't have to find this sort of unicorn VA who does everything, right? Exactly. Because exactly. nobody, nobody, not even you and I, I mean, there's something that we do better than anything else. And that's the thing that we need to be doing, you know? Exactly. Yeah. What kind of lessons did you learn from that experience? Did you have a bad, did you have some bad hires? I'm sure you had to. Have oh my goodness. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it was, it was the same thing, expecting a, a virtual assistant to do um, multiple things and not recognizing what, what their skill sets were and where their strengths were. And I, I, I say this all the time, you know, um, and I have a, a online business manager and she kind of manages the whole team. And she always jokes about how I say, you know, that's not your ministry. You know, copywriting is not your ministry. That's Jen's ministry. <laughs> so Jen should do that, you know, and I, and I, but it took, I years, love that. it took years of expecting someone to do something that was not, it was not in them to do, you know? And so I I had lots of stories of that. I had one virtual assistant nightmare where she was just a bad hire. 
And it was not, you know, it w- it could have happened. You know, I'm sure whoever she worked for in person, she was probably not that great then either. You know, but it it it, it takes a while for you to realize that that's just the way it is. It comes with doing business. You you're gonna have you know to kiss a few frogs. Yeah. In order to get that team to where you need it to be. And I think that I was putting so much pressure on myself to be this perfect leader and, and CEO of this business and that I was taking it personally instead of every single time. What did I learn from this? OK, what do I know now? You know, um, check references. <laughs> you know, that, that, you know, that's something that you do. You know, there, there's lots of ways to do it. The other thing is I got really. um I've gotten very clear on what I need and being able to uh, communicate that in a way that is effective and very clear from the beginning, rather than expecting people to read your mind, you know, in my, in my uh, welcome packet or the application packet, I have a section, me at my best and me at my worst. I'm very, I'm brutally honest. I'm very transparent. I am not an easy person to work for. You just, let's just put that out there. Let's just put that out there. (laughs) And so I now have a team that knows that and embraces that. There are, there are people who enjoy that challenge of being two steps ahead of a, of a person like me. And so there are people who's, that's their ministry. They are good at that. They're good at making you better. And so, you know, I, I think that as women in particular, we're always so apologetic about all of those things. Like, you know, oh, well, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be labeled as a, listen, if you're going to be a leader and if you are, are, are really building something that is going to have impact and legacy, you are going to have to be very stern and intentional about what it is that you want and be unapologetic about that. And so mm-hmm. that's taken me years to, yeah. to get to that place. But it has been, it's so freeing when, once you just accept this is who I am. And I always say, you know, Beyonce is like my favorite. And I think about the success that she has in the empire that she's built. And whenever I feel myself, you know, wavering or what it's like, would Beyonce do this? It would Beyonce accept a dancer? <laughs> what would, would Beyonce not, do? <laughs> what would Beyonce do? Oh, yeah. When she's got a dancer who's who doesn't know the moves, do you think she's going to go on a world tour and bring that dancer along? Absolutely not. We don't. No. Yeah. And so I yeah. have to tell myself that. I love that. I love that. And I I love you sharing this uh, that you've had these experiences because I uh, because I certainly have and uh, and I think that a lot of women law firm owners when they're starting their business. And they're growing their business and they're hiring people and they have a bad hire and they, they take it so hard and so personally and women business owners, period, you know, do that. And I, and why I love that you shared this is because like everything else is a journey. We aren't just born with these skills. We weren't born with the skills to be a lawyer. We had to take time to learn it. That's why we practice law, right? So we're not born with these skills of knowing how to lead and manage people. You might have a natural inclination as a leader or as an influencer or whatever, but it's a skill, it's skills that you must develop. And the only way that you can develop them, you've got to study, obviously, but is by practicing, putting them into practice. And you're going to make bad hires. And what is so um, discouraging is when you see people get hold themselves back for years because they're afraid to make the next hire after that one bad ex- or two bad experience. I hired this bad, you know, associate that didn't work out. And then I hired this one didn't work out. So now I'm scared to hire an associate or I've hired, you know, uh, a bookkeeper that was terrible. And now I'm never doing that again. And it really holds us back. It's hurting. It's instead of taking the thing. And like you said, looking at it and going, you know, what did I learn from this? What was I meant to learn from this? Right. Well, and you know what else you you learn along the way and you've got to accept that this is, you know, if you're on the path of growth and I, and I believe that anyone who listens to this podcast is in that category, right? Right, Right. Here to make a difference. Then you, you have to know that even the greatest person, when you are trying to make your first six figures is not the person that's going to get you to seven. 
So what got me to six, you know, I'm on a different path now as I've grown, my firm is, I'm not the same. So that, that wonderful paralegal, that wonderful associate, as your business changes, as you grow, things change. And even someone who you thought was just a rock star, maybe a rock star for a firm that generates 200,000, but they are not equipped to handle a million dollar law firm. And that's right. Okay. That's right. Okay. Right. Yeah. And uh, uh, I know I've had this discussion with a lot of people. It's exactly what you're talking about. It's like, as you grow, your vibration changes and some people are going to vibrate, continue to vibrate with you. They're going to grow with you. And some people aren't, and you're going to feel that discomfort and that pain. And you can choose to go back down to where they are or you can choose to keep going in the direction that you're meant to go and let them find their own way in something else that suits them better. Like not holding on to that to try to, you know, keep, keep this person because you feel like they're going to be lost without you. Let them go find their own path that may yeah. be better for them. So every bad hire you ever have, every hire that you had maybe is good. And then one day is no longer a fit. If they can no longer if you know you've already made the decision, they can no longer grow in your business. Let them go. Let them go. You're not doing them any favors. Absolutely. Like, you know, we feel like sometimes we feel responsible for that person's livelihood. And I don't want to let this person go because they're going to, you know, what are they, how are they going to feed their babies? Trust yeah. me, they'll go on. And they'll probably years later, they'll thank you for letting them go because they're going to find their purpose. Um, Absolutely. You know, what you talked about at the beginning, being a litigator. For you, if you imagine if you just stay 20, 30 years as a little, like you're going, oh my God, right? Same thing with me. It wasn't where I, it wasn't the highest and best use of me yes. on this planet, right? To do that, even though I have skills, right? Um, and so what a gift to yourself to set, to call that early and say, you know, nah, I need to find something else. And some, and sometimes the universe helps us nudge us along. Like in your case, your child needs you. And so you've got yes. to change things, right? Yes, absolutely. I love that. So um, you with you with your virtual practice, how long now have you had the virtual law firm? The virtual law firm I've had since 2015. So w- when I was in B school, I was just testing the waters. And so I really kind of started from a um, an information product mm-hmm. standpoint. I was uh, creating digital products, creating contract templates, uh, cause I was still at the firm. I was still a litigator and I didn't want to, you know, be breaking the rules there. So I wasn't taking, um, you know, one-on-one clients, but that exposed me to a whole world. Like, Oh my goodness, this is great. So I, I started doing, um, digital courses and digital products. And then at the beginning of 2015, I left the firm and I left that entire, my whole litigation practice and completely rebranded and reinvented myself as a, as an online, um, a business owner for, um, for creative entrepreneurs. And so I started that in 2015. So I'm coming up on six years. I can't even believe it. Wow. Yeah. But I was, but but that was, I left a nine year career and then this, so I had been known, I mean, really known as being a divorce litigator. And I had done hundreds and hundreds of divorces. I had made all types of super lawyers and top attorney lists as being that. And I completely walked away from it all. Wow. That is, that is huge. That takes a lot of courage and really faith, faith in, in yourself, faith in something higher faith in your, you know, and for your, for your family to have that faith in you and know that that was going to be, that it was going to be good with your, with your, uh, your business, your law firm, how did you decide you had to also probably re-educate yourself in, in a couple of different practice areas, like refresh oh, your memory yes. and take some CLEs and, and really learn because an online business is there are certain there, there are not every law practice translates into an online business. So I'm sure you were very deliberate and intentional about what you chose. So can you tell me about that process? Did you go all in on all these sort of things or did you sort of roll out one first, one practice area first, or how did you approach that? Sure. So I was very nervous about that because I had done, you know, I had dabbled a little in in a few things, but I was by no means equipped 
So I signed up for every single CLE. I really wanted to do a business and IP just kind of fit together. I knew I didn't want to go the patent route. I didn't have a scientific background and no intentions on taking um, the patent bar. So I really stuck with tra- learning trademarks, learning copyrights. Mm-hmm. And that was really, you know, that was it. I bought every book <laughs> and really kind of, you know, networked my way, you know, um, Facebook was there. I don't think there were as many Facebook groups as there are now for lawyers. So I was really involved in the local bar association, the ABA, I joined um, the ABA and, you know, those listservs and all of those things, just, I really became a sponge to learn it as best I could. Then I also signed up with, um, I, I am based in DC and Maryland. And so I signed up with the, um, both of them had volunteer volunteer lawyers for the arts programs where you can uh-huh. take pro bono cases. So I took tons of those just to get myself, you know, used to Immersed it. Immersed into that, it is, yeah. Absolutely. And, it, and, and, and like you said, it's two different skill sets. You've got the business part, but, but then you, if you get the clients, you got to be able to service them. You've got to know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so that was very difficult because I didn't take, I didn't even take IP in, um, in law school. Yeah. So yeah. It was a lot of learning that I had to, yeah. do, to do that. Yeah. I took patent law, but I could, only because there was nothing else I could take at that time, but I couldn't be a patent attorney because like you, yeah. I don't have that science background. Um, and, and also I'm not very good at it. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I don't think that way. Uh, you also do some uh, business contracts and stuff as part of this firm as well, right? Yes, I do. And and that part just kind of, you know, still comes from a place of service, just wanting to service your clients as holistically as you possibly can. And, you know, you can't unring the bell, right? I've got the business background. I've got the marketing background. I even went back to law school. I went back to grad school after law school and I have a a master's in communication. And so all of that experience just makes me uniquely me. And I I can't just say, well, I'm just your lawyer. I'm not going to tell you that that's a bad branding decision that you're making there, you know, so <laughs> that just kind of so, comes so you're with really the consulting in, in a lot of ways with them, with the clients and telling exactly. them this is not, yeah, it's not, uh, if I wouldn't do it that way. <laughs> right. Um, exactly. So you have been, now you have rolled out uh, beyond the bar Institute. So tell me what beyond the bar Institute is. Sure. So, you know, when I first um, was I hired a business coach when I first, before I enrolled in B, in B school, which I highly recommend everyone should have a business coach and multiple that I've had yeah. different ones for different things. But at that time I was looking to transition. And so I needed to talk to some, help, someone to help me talk through it. And one of the first exercises that she gave me was what is it about your current job at the firm that you love? What is it? You know, we talked about what I hated, which we knew was the litigation and and all the drama that came with family law. But what is it that you loved? And for years, I had been a mentor to new lawyers. And that was the one thing that I said, you know, when I leave, I'm going to miss that Um, in my account in the county that I'm in. I I was this mentor and I had had won all kinds of awards and did a lot of pro bono um, service in that in that way. And so she said, well, why can't you keep that going? Why do you have to, you don't have to give that up. You know, maybe you aren't mentoring them on how to file a divorce complaint, but what is it that comes naturally to you and that you, you could do. And so that's how I started beyond the bar Institute. And so I started just, I, I noticed, especially coming out of B school that, oh my God, lawyers don't know this stuff. <laughs> There's so much about this online space. So I started Beyond the Bar in 2014 with, uh, it started as a blog called Think Like a Brand, Not Like a Lawyer. And I was just blogging and then I would do workshop, you know, I I would do workshops here and there. And then the Bar Association, I do lots of speaking and teaching on technology and online space and virtual law firm and all of that kind of stuff. And then I've just continued it very, I would say, you know, informally for so many years. And then the pandemic happened last year and people were going crazy. Like, oh my God, we're stuck in our houses. 
we're going to be out of business, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I started a, um, I did a free five day challenge, online visibility challenge to help lawyers bring themselves online and things have just spiraled from there. So I am now doing, I have a group coaching program of lawyers and I've got one-on-one coaching um, clients where I'm helping people to build a brand and, and come online. And I'm so excited that, you know, lawyers are catching up with the kind of the rest of the world in this online space. And so it's, yeah. it's so much fun. I enjoy it. I would do it for free. I did it for free for a long, 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 long time. Mm-hmm. And I'm just now seeing, you know, kind of making it more of a business, I would say. Right, right, right. So I love that. I love that. Uh, and what you said too about, you know, more, you are seeing more and more lawyers going online because our whole society has had to, you know, yeah. we have, and the courts, even, I mean, when you see the courts actually, Zooming now, <laughs> you Finally, know, who, who right? would have ever thought that was going to happen, right? Right. Um, we're going, we're going from the talkies from the phone, and we're finally getting batting video to it. Um, and, and and I think that there are a lot of attorneys, law firm owners, who are going to keep some aspect of that, if not the whole business model. They'll keep some aspect the aspect of that going forward, even as we, everybody gets vaccinated and we get back to kind of what our, whatever the new normal is. Right. I think you'll see a lot of lawyers do that, that all kinds of businesses actually finding ways to, because people have become accustomed to our clients have become accustomed to the luxury of being able to communicate with us this way and not have to drive across town to do something. So I think we'll see a lot more of that. And it's going to be really interesting to see how law firms evolve in providing services, using online tools to provide more services, create more products, maybe yes. to help uh, to help their clients. What kinds of trends uh, have you been noticing that you that you think? I know that, like I polled my uh, audience, women law firm owners, and just like your story, a lot of them started their own law practice because they wanted the flexibility because they wanted to be available for their kids a lot more, their family a lot more. Um, And I think that women are really leading this charge because we, we still have, you know, in our society, the primary responsibility for the kids. Right. And you're seeing women leading this, this, shift that's happening in a culture that is so steeped in tradition. Yes. So yes. can what can we build that big law on a virtual platform I wonder? Yeah, and and that and that's the thing, you know, I think that uh, I I'm seeing you know I know when I first started there was a um when you were a solo it it was like you were struggling, you know, you were, you, it was not, it was not pretty. Like there were people like, why would you do that? Like, why would you want to do that? And I think that there is definitely um, been a shift in that in, in, in solo firms. And, and I think that there's also been a shift in a solo woman owned law firm being able to, to, to stomp with the big dogs. Right. I mean, you've got some powerful, um, firms and, and people are understanding and they're getting coaching and they're getting guidance on how to, to replicate that model. I do think also that there, that, that we are now in a space, at least I've noticed in, in, in through beyond the bar that there are a lot of people that aren't happy <laughs> with what it is that they're doing. And we are, uh, we're just looking for someone to give us permission to do it differently to um, to write our own rules, to have our own, you know, voices and to use our law degree in many different ways, you know, mm-hmm. um, some choosing to go the mediation route, some um, moving into parent coordination, because that's the one piece of that they liked from their, you know, um, domestic mm-hmm. practices, um, those that are, are, are educating and, and doing coaching and doing consulting. Um, this is the education information age. Mm-hmm. And this generation of, of of young adults are look they are they love it. They are looking for they would much rather you show them how to do it themselves than to pay you to do it for them. And so those 
um, women who are keen on that and, and see that. And whether that's in a legal space or whether that is, you know, how to organize. I, I don't know if you watch um, the home edit on Netflix. Like we're all tuning in to have these people tell us how to organize our kitchen cabinets and our refrigerators. <laughs> I mean, we just want people to tell us those things. And so, you know, I have seen, you know, courses on this and books and different things that you can do. So really finding what you're really, really good at and helping other people to be good at that same thing, I think is what I've seen. Lots of lawyers now be calling themselves retired or former lawyers kind of transitioning and doing yeah. something different. And I love it. You know, yeah. I, I, I absolutely yeah. love it. I think that we don't have, you don't have to go to the big firm and work 60 hours and wait 10 years to be promoted to partner. That's yeah. not the way it is. Anymore. And you can still make your money doing something and else, right? You can still make your money doing something else. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So I, I, I'm, I'm glad that you brought this topic up uh, because I know for me, uh, you know, you work so hard to become a lawyer. You go through law school, surprise, and <laughs> you have to go to law school, right? You go to law school, and this is after you've got your undergrad degree, and then you've got to pass the bar, so much effort into that, and you know, so much weight gain studying for the bar. And so you work so hard, and you become a, an attorney, and then you're like, oh, you know, this isn't, you become disenchanted. And so, but it feels like, oh my gosh, am I going to be a failure? Am I going to be a quitter if I let this go? And this is my identity now. And it's such a prestigious identity yes. to be a lawyer. Say I'm a lawyer because people really respect as much as there are lawyer jokes out there. People really respect lawyers in the community. They're the ones that we, you know, we're the ones that they turn to when they have problems. Right. We're and the problem solvers of the world. We, yeah, really, exactly. And so- there is a lot of, there can be a lot of sort of soul searching that goes on when you, you say, am I really going to not do this full time as my career? Am I really going to try something else and do something else? Is that okay? Does that, did I just waste all this time and all this money? Yes. Um, and did you experience that? I, I know I experienced that. Did you experience that when you started thinking about other ways that you could you know, I, I didn't only because when I was in B school and I was meeting all of these women who were many were in multiple high six figure businesses, I knew that there was another way. So I saw that right away, but I do get a lot of people, you know, on their first call on, on just, you know, breakthrough sessions with me. And I, they are relieved when I say to them, you can do this. You are still powerful. You That law degree, it can't be taken away from you. Right. And, and even when you leverage it into something else, you're still going to be revered as this powerful, you know, it's still a prestige that is associated with you. And you're just you're going to now multiply that by, by really letting us get to know those other unique skills that you have that are just as valuable as that law degree. And so yeah. I think that people just need, to hear that. Um, but I think, you know, for me, I, I saw so many success and I, it had me second guessing like, now, why did I go and take out all of this money? I mean, you know, I, I had one client um, that I met in B school and she had this amazing high, very high ticket um, coaching program, relationship coaching for, listen to this niche, for men who just went through a bad breakup. She was charging $50,000 for this coaching program, high powered executive oh, wow. men. And she was a seven figure business owner. And I was thinking, <laughs> like, what am I, where You're did I go wrong up to this point? <laughs> <laughs> to just listen to them, you know, sulk about this woman that walked out on them. Like, I couldn't believe it. But I, I got to see so many people who really took you know, their skills, their passion, things that were very important to them. There are lots of, you know, home organizers that are making tons of money. So I was able to see like, wow, you really can follow, you know, what feels like it's true to you. And you can make, I, I can help anybody. I believe this. I can help anybody brand themselves, market their services to sell anything. I really believe that. 
Mm-hmm. And I believe that anyone can be successful at that. It's just, there's just some fundamental things that have to be put in place and you can do it. Right, right, right. Uh, and it, it is so fascinating when you talk about other, when you look at uh, niches and how we, 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 we impose limitations on ourselves that we don't even realize we're imposing on ourselves. Saying, I can now, now that I started down this path, this is the only path I can follow. And now I've signed up for years of misery doing it. And there are some, and there are some attorneys who love being an attorney and they want their own business, but the traditional model is chafing. You know, it doesn't suit what their needs are, their family needs are, what, you know, can they make their money and still enjoy their life? Or do they have to sacrifice in sort of this traditional uh, patriarchal way that this, that traditional law firms are set up. And it's so exciting to see women lawyers um, ignoring what people say and that you can't and doing something different. Did you ever have anyone uh, who said, you're crazy? Nikita, you're crazy. What are you doing? (laughs) Oh my God. And and how did you respond to that? Like what, what kinds of things were said to you? Is there anything that stands out? Oh yeah. So when I, when I first started doing the, um, selling contract templates and doing Mm -hmm. digital courses, and I was still very involved in the bar, in the bar association. And I was still, you know, going to bar meetings and things. And, and, you know, all of my friends on Facebook saw what I was doing. And so many lawyers would say to me, you're crazy. Why would you sell someone, you know, a $200 uh, contract that you could charge them, you know, thousand dollars to write for them. You're going to lose business. You're never going to make money. You know, all of these different things. And I would say, well, the person who would buy a $200 contract template is not one who would pay a thousand dollars to have. So I'm not losing that out on that. And I would kept trying to explain, but, but people did not get it. People Mm -hmm. couldn't understand that. And it, it, sometimes it does make you second guess yourself and think, well, am I crazy? (laughs) But when you're, but, probably, but I probably am. I probably am. But I'll tell you what 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 made my crazy bearable was waking mm-hmm. up in the morning to PayPal and Stripe notifications for people that had gone to my website in the middle of the night and bought things, and I didn't have to lift a finger. I did something once and got paid multiple times for it. So it, they could say I was crazy, but I was crazy like walking to the bank. Okay, <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. I, uh, that and that is so inspiring. And um, I think a lot of I think a lot of women business owners need to hear that. They need to hear that you may get. I I think you. Uh, so I read some meme or something on social media, and you've, I'm sure you've heard it too. Is like people who are doing better than you are not judging you. It's the people yeah. who aren't doing as much as you are that are looking at you, going, you know, the people who don't get it and. And it's not really your job to educate them. You know, it is your job just to go say, be blessed and go live your life and, 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 and show. And then those same people are going to be asking you to be hiring you to say, show me how you did this. Exactly. This thing. Right. And there were so many, you know, when I was doing, uh, when I go into the bar association and I'm, you know, at the annual conferences and I'm teaching on virtual law, I'm always asked to, to teach this. I've probably done a million times and it never fails at the end of every single one. There is someone that raises their hand and says, but um, don't clients, uh, do clients take you seriously when you don't have an office? And it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> is that even a thing anymore? Is that <laughs> even a thing anymore? But you would, it, it, everything, there are two things that they always challenge me on that. And aren't you concerned about ethical violations when you hire, uh, when you've got virtual staff and, and client confidentiality matters? What's the doggone difference than if you've got somebody coming in your office who could take your file, your paper files and leave? And it's the same thing. But right. I have to explain this every single time. Every single right. time. Right, right, It's become I a am- joke. Like I'll say to my assistant, How I've got coffee for you if so, this happens. It happens every time. Yeah, Never how quickly. Fails. Is it going to happen in the first 30 minutes or in the last 30 minutes? How, you know, like it's always, at the, end. always yeah. at the end. Yeah. Yeah. 
they can't because they just can't wrap their mind around it. But I bet you after this pandemic that's happened, you're probably going to have fewer people ask that question. And uh, because because these you know big law firms have, ha- have had to try to find another way to work and they start to see that. And it's interesting because in some cases, people are discovering that distributed workers, remote workers, may, you know, they may be employees, a full-time employee, but the benefit of being of them being able to work from home and how that makes them more satisfied and they can still be productive. You know, exactly. I think they're going to start to look at things differently. So uh, before we wrap up, I'd like it. I'd love it if you could share some uh, advice to our listeners about what, if they have a dream for something, what they want to do, what would you, what would you recommend that they do to sort of get that going? If they want to make a shift from the way they're working now to maybe going virtual, um, would you say that they do? I would say talk to someone who's done it. There is no better um, way for you to get the right information on the pros, the cons, the ups, the downs, the peaks and the valleys of, of, a, of something different than to simply ask. I think that there is this, you know, this fear that we have about, you know, kind of coming out of our, our shell on that, in that regard. And I would say, just push past that and just get the information, talk to someone and really hear their story, you know, binge, listen to this podcast and listen to other people's stories and then reach out to those people. Um, I have found that people are much more willing to listen to you or to share or to help you than you may think. And Mm -hmm. so don't sit on the sidelines trying to figure it out for yourself. Uh, Mm -hmm. That was one of the best things that I could have done. I can't imagine that I would have would have had the guts to walk away had I not invested in a coach who who helped me to and I and I picked a coach who had left her previous job. And so she was able to, to share with me there's there's a way that this can be done and these are the things. And 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 the and the good part about that is that they can share their mistakes and you don't have to make them. Like there's right. there's value right. in that, right? That's right. Like here's what I did that was totally stupid and 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 I I it cost me a ton of time or cost me a ton of money. Instead of doing that, you do this. And now, you know, it's like yeah. there's so much value in that. And I think yeah. that we need to just, you know, open up. Yeah. And 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 people also don't have to do things the way you also want to work with somebody who, you know, you don't have to do things the way that they do it either. Because you you have productized some of your services. Mm-hmm. And there are other law firm owners who are have virtual firms and they're still service-based. They're, yes. they're they don't offer any products. So there's multiple ways to do it. There's multiple ways that you can show up and create a business. It doesn't have to be an exact replica of other people, but thank goodness we're living in the age that we are because there are so many examples now that we can look at it. We can say, let me, I'm going to look and see how this person's doing. I'm going to see how this person's doing. I'm going to see how, and then I'm going to come up with the right combination for me. And uh, uh, that's the exciting, that's the exciting part. If it's that idea of this person's not my competitor. It is, if she, if she can do this, I can do this. Yeah. You know, exactly. and, exactly. and opening your eyes to that there, that there's plenty of pie out there for us. We just bake more pies Yes, and we can bake all kinds of different flavored pies, no matter what it is that we want. Right. Right. So go ahead. I was going to say, because your, your, your secret sauce that you have that's in every pie that you create, is not the same as mine. And so you and I could even do the exact same thing and it still wouldn't be the same because you're you and I'm me and, and all of us, we're all different. And there's so we could all get together and, and have the same idea and do the same thing and the execution and who is attracted to us would be totally different. And that's the beauty of it, right? That's the beauty of it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Nakia, I thank you so much for being here today. I have, you and I have a lot in common. And so I'm really excited that you were able to come on and talk with me. And I'm sure our listeners are going to get a lot of value out of this podcast episode. 
So tell us how we can find out more information about you and your companies and connect with you if we want to connect with you. Absolutely. So my website is NakiaGray.com and I am on probably most active on Instagram mm-hmm. at Nakia Gray ESQ. Um, Beyond the Bar Institute is has its own website, beyondthebarinstitute.com and its own Instagram also um, at Beyond the Bar Institute. And again, we are on Facebook, but Instagram is, that's where the party's happening. So come that's on over. Party. To Instagram. Instagrammer. Yeah, great. All right. Wonderful. Thanks so much for being here. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, I'm sure we'll continue to stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. And I'm glad to hear we're both B-schoolers. How cool is that? I know. B-schoolers. <laughs> I think there are a lot more out there of us yeah. than we realize. Absolutely. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. If you have, we invite you to leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. The more five-star reviews we have, the more women law firm owners will be able to positively impact. Your thoughts and opinions are so important to us. If you are a woman law firm owner who wants to scale your law firm to a million dollars or more in gross annual revenue and do it in a way that's sustainable and feels good to you, then we invite you to join us in the Wealthy Woman Lawyer League. The League is a community of highly intelligent, goal-oriented, and driven women law firm owners who are excited to support one another on their journeys to becoming wealthy women lawyers. We'll be sharing so much in the League in the coming year, including the exclusive million-dollar law firm framework that until now, I've only shared with my private one-to-one clients. For more information and to join us, Go now to www.wealthywomanlawyer.com slash lead. That's www.wealthywomanlawyer.com slash lead. Lead is spelled L-E-A-G-U-E. We look forward to seeing you soon in the league.